You're listening to a podcast by Mission Field USA, a church planting initiative of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. For more information and resources, visit lcms.org slash church planting. Welcome, Mission Field USA podcast listeners, to our next edition. I am the Reverend Dr. Stephen Schaefe, uh, the LCMS Director of Church Planting. Today with me, as always, is my co-host, the Reverend Dr. Mark Larson, the manager of LCMS Church Planting. And welcome, Mark. I'm glad to be here, Steve. Always good to have you with us. And today, our special guest is the Reverend Dr. Robert Scudieri, and we are very excited to have Bob with us today. Welcome, Bob. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about mission and outreach and the gospel. Amen. So we're going to talk, uh, our, We two podcasts ago, we talked a little bit about uh, ethnic ministry and multi-ethnic ministry, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that today with Bob, especially with the organization that he's been working with. I think, um, Bob, you're probably our first guest that uh, hails from Queens, New York, originally. <laughs> <laughs> so you know a little bit about the probably. metropolitan multi-ethnic world. Probably the most ethnically diverse uh, town yes. in the United States. Yes. Uh, a few years ago, uh, uh, when I worked at uh, LCMS, we, we brought the mission execs, Mark Larson, you probably were there at that point, uh, uh, to Flushing. And um, it, was, it was very interesting because there are very few white English-speaking people in Flushing. And uh, the 35 district execs uh, came and uh, for the first day or so, uh, some of them were not ready to go outside. Uh, <laughs> but they stood and watched this uh, beautiful display of people of all colors and nationalities going by. But by the second day, they were out there at the Korean restaurants and the uh, the Indian restaurants. And <laughs> one, of the, one of the uh, mission execs uh, from the Midwest said there are more people living in the apartment houses on this block than there are in my whole state. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's very, uh, very different. Well, no uh, doubt. Mark, uh, uh, Pastor Scudieri definitely has his mission chops. He served, absolutely. Uh, as you said, uh, as the mission executive for the English district for 18 years, you served 38 years in the, the parish. You also were the head of missions here uh, at the LCMS headquarters uh, for North America. And uh, we'll be diving a little bit more into that. I have to say, too, that uh, even my humble beginnings as a church planner coming out of the seminary uh, was part of an initiative to plant 200 churches um, as part of a, a goal that was set. And uh, Pastor Scudieri was the supervisor of that and helped coordinate from a national level, working with all the districts uh, to try to, to boost those efforts. So um, definitely continuing with that that theme and that work of uh, being about church planting, fostering more church planting, raising up a pipeline of church planters. And one of the topics, again, that we discussed a, a couple of podcasts ago was the idea of reaching a multi-ethnic population, uh, which we just talked about. Um, but with Pastor Scudieri, we're hoping to learn a little bit more of also how the mission is coming to us 
here in the United States to dive a little bit deeper into that. And one of the things that I found interesting, kind of looking through the the bio uh, for Reverend Dr. Scudieri, um, was something that he had actually been brought on board uh, to to get it going, and that was a blueprint for the 90s. And I really didn't know much about it, Mark, but then I read a lot of the the points that went along with that, and I was just kind of like, hey, that sounds a lot like Mission Field USA. There we go. You know, uh, the idea of national missionaries, of uh, bolstering our work with our districts to get church planting kind of uh, going again, uh, this idea of cross-cultural uh, ministry for church plants, uh, you know, in, in terms of sending missionaries into the margins uh, to work uh, among different ethnic groups. So I thought maybe, Pastor uh, Scudieri, if you could just give us a brief rundown on what, what was the blueprint for the 90s? Well, um, that really was a turning point uh, in the LCMS the uh, the mission executive at the time um, was Ed Westcott back in the 1980s, and he and, and President Ralph Bowman had this vision uh, that uh, for many years um, we had seen mission as a centrifugal force where we sent missionaries out to other places, uh, but now God had changed this whole thing uh, so that there was now a centripetal force for missions, where God was sending uh, missionaries to the United States and uh, Christians from other countries, uh, many of whom had been uh, tried by fire, uh, had, um, had gone through awful, terrible persecutions, but had maintained their faith, and, and God brought them uh, to the United States uh, to uh, strengthen the church in America. And out of that came uh, a, a conversation with the districts, and uh, finally that resulted in this blueprint uh, for the 1990s. Uh, and uh, English district had been very involved in working in urban areas and among people of different ethnic groups, and uh, so when they looked around for someone to implement this, uh, I was one of the uh, people that was considered and was blessed uh, to be able to serve in that role. Yeah, great. And it's, it's just, again, the parallels are, are pretty pretty phenomenal. So for us, there really wasn't a church planting uh, department kind of at the national level. And a lot of the things that um, were just kind of uh, commonplace uh, when you're working with North American missions uh, in terms of seminary programs and the funding process and uh, the, the whole process of bringing up a pipeline of church planters, um, you know, there was more and more desire by the districts to, to have uh, someone helping from a, a national coordination. And that's kind of where the, the department came from. And the initiative as well, as you said, was when we started to think about our our branches of national mission and international mission, uh, you couldn't help but notice that the United States of America, from the global perspective, was, you know, the third largest population of the unchurched. And at the same time, when we saw, you know, over however many hundreds of years, the same number of millions of European uh, Christian immigrants that were coming to the United States, how over a much shorter period of time, we saw people from all around the world, especially non-Christian countries that were coming here, um, also that were unchurched. And it gave us a, a new opportunity to see the U.S. as being, oh, this is the, the cutting edge 
mission field. And it was interesting, too, the conversation with people saying we have all this international mission work that we could be doing in the United States. A lot of the emphasis has shifted now. We have church partners around the world. We focus on theological education and supporting their their work and their projects. But the raw mission field uh, for church planting really looks like the U.S. And then when you saw kind of our, our pilot projects, you, you could see we were in the inner cities of Philadelphia, and we were in an urban core in Toledo, Ohio. We were on the border of Mexico and Texas. You know, you could you could see that all these were cross-cultural. There are places that districts said there's wonderful international cross-cultural ministry going on, and yet it's it'd be too hard to support this worker. We we need to look at how we do international mission and sending of missionaries here in the margins in, in the U.S. And so um, it's just fascinating to me as I hear you describe it a little bit more. And, and when I look at the the points that were brought up for even the blueprint in the 90s, um, kind of a renewed vigor. Does that sound fair? Very much so. As I said, the, the our congregations have a passion to reach out uh, to all people. Uh, the, the face of America has been changing. Uh, and but the face of the Missouri Synod hasn't been. It was still the most ethnically homogenous uh, denomination, Christian denomination in the United States. Uh, and but our churches really want to reach out to, uh, the to to look more like the face of heaven. You know, in mm. Revelations uh, seven nine, there's a description of heaven, and it's not a room filled with white English speaking people. <laughs> uh, it's uh, many different people. In two thousand and one, the synod declared the United States a world mission field, and uh, just to to show you how committed our churches were. Uh, we'd, had, we'd set a goal for starting a thousand uh, cross-cultural uh, ministries uh, by the, that 2001 convention, and we started uh, uh, 1,100-something. I forget the number now. And uh, the congregations uh, came to a website, and they, uh, Mark, you may remember this. Uh, oh, sure, uh, They yeah. uh, described uh, the ministries and what they did, what they learned, what didn't work, what did work, and uh, and how to contact somebody, and and they did that because they they were really pan- our churches are very passionate about reaching uh, uh, more people. We just don't know how to do it, uh, and we keep making the same dumb mistakes over and over <laughs> again when uh, a church wants to reach uh, an ethnic group different than its own. Right. Uh, we really have to, and I I applaud uh, the. North American uh, Mission uh, Group now uh, for its commitment to reaching uh, all people, all ethnic groups with the gospel. You know, Jesus was a refugee. Yes. So you know, he and his family had to uh, leave uh, uh, Bethlehem because of the persecutions of an evil uh, monarch. Um, Joseph had to pick up all of his carpentry tools. They they move hundreds of miles uh, to Egypt and stay there for a couple of years until uh, Herod dies, and then they move back again. But they don't move back to Bethlehem. <laughs> mm-hmm. They go back to Galilee. And, yep. You know, Galilee is that uh, is a word that means region, and it's the region of the Gentiles. Uh, Jesus grows up in a multi-ethnic uh, area 
uh, maybe a sign to us that uh, that's who God has sent him to call all peoples, not just uh, uh, one ethnic group, but but all peoples to him. Yeah, we, Does that makes sense. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because we we had spoke of that before. Just to imagine yourself as being a stranger and trying to navigate. I mean, I have a hard enough time getting my kid's driver's license and figuring out <laughs> how to get their scholarships or whatever for colleges. You know, just just trying to navigate some of these things and just trying to imagine the language barrier and to and to feel alone and to be a stranger in this new yeah. place. Um, that definitely. Uh, see that. And also, you know, bringing up the idea of America being kind of this world mission field, talk to us a little bit more, um, Reverend Scuderi, about some examples of how how the LCMS has has looked at that and what what does that mean for the United States to be a world mission field? I think, uh, Steve, that there are both um, challenges and, and opportunities in that. Talk a little bit about the challenges, but uh, I read recently that from 1991 to 2014, the number of white Protestants declined by one-third. Uh, at the same time, the United States has the largest number of foreign-born citizens than it's ever had. And by 2027, will equal the largest percentage of foreign-born citizens that we've ever had, and then we'll go beyond that. So the the opportunity is there uh, for us to reach people who are having a have a higher birth rate. Uh, they're um, African and and Hispanic uh, um, and uh, Asian folks. Uh, families have a, a larger uh, number of children, a greater number of children. Uh, than uh, white English-speaking people have. Uh, So there's a tremendous opportunity there. And these missionaries, uh, we've been writing Mission Nation Publishing, uh, the organization that I'm with. Uh, Mission Nation Publishing um, has uh, been writing the biographies of some of these missionaries. Uh, Is it okay if I... I share one example of one of those missionaries. Yeah, absolutely, and we do definitely want to dive into the the mission of Mission Nation Publishing. But absolutely, please do. Um, there's a missionary in St. Louis uh, by the name of uh, Gagan Garung. You probably know him. I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Gagan, uh, his family was kicked out of. Uh, um, one of the countries adjacent uh, to Nepal, uh, and uh, for 22 years he lived in a refugee camp. Uh, his um, uh, his family had to build their own shelter uh, when they came to the camp uh, early on. They had to carry water from a river. And they lived there for 22 years. They were evangelized by a man who had been a Hindu high-class Hindu man who became a Christian evangelist in the camp. Uh, he baptized uh, Garung's family, but when it came Garung's turn to be baptized, he ran away and up into the mountains in Nepal and hid at a Hindu temple. Hmm. And it wasn't until several years later uh, that through a miracle, God took hold of him. <laughs> uh, just a, a really powerful um, uh change happened in his life. Well, he's now in St. Louis, and this man who ran away from baptism has led more than 40 
uh, Nepalese uh, immigrants in the St. Louis area uh, led them to be baptized. Uh, but that's the the kind of gift that that God is giving to us. Very good. And uh, yeah, I did have the pleasure of meeting uh, him. And you, I know you have a lot of uh, great stories. And um, one of the things that struck me, Mark, we were just at our re- recent meeting um, with a group called North American Mission Endeavors. And I know Pastor Scudieri had a very formative uh, role in that as well. But uh, the new president here at Halki, uh, who was our uh, you know, he was our guest uh, a couple podcasts ago. Um, it was fascinating to me the way he described at this meeting um, the the connection between you know someone who was raised in a, a Lutheran church that's a church partner from across the world and how they now view the United States. And he had a very en- endearing way of describing it. Um, for him, it was you know the LCMS was like the mother. Um, for his, for his church body, and now they who are the children are looking and saying, "Our mother is sick, mm-hmm. and our mother needs yeah, our help." I, and I think that's right on. It was so I, from the heart. What's, <laughs> I, what's been what's been happening? I think is that uh, the missionaries that we sent overseas converted uh, many people, thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, and now some of their children and grandchildren. Uh, of the people who have been converted, uh, they're now coming to the United States uh, to bring uh, the United States back to Christ again. Right. The point, yeah, again, the, the point being is they see what's happening in the United States and the secularization, and, and yeah, it's it's for them sad to see what's going on, but at the same time they recognize this as we have an opportunity um, to give back uh, to those in the United States who brought the gospel to us, and we we now see the United States also as being part of the world world mission field. So, um, Dr. Scudieri, how would you describe then the mission field as being different than just a Christian country? Wow, that's a, that's an excellent question, and I don't think enough thinking has been done about that. I think that um, the great majority of our churches still operate as if we were in a a Christian country and all they had to do was open their doors and the Christians uh, would come in. Uh, I think there's some uh, real differences uh, between a Christian country and a mission field. Uh, One of those is uh, the difference between a pastor and a missionary. Uh, When I uh, went through seminary, uh, graduated in 1971, Uh, We were prepared to take care of a group of people that were already brought together. And our ministry was to go out and and just uh, uh, minister to that group. At one point, somebody suggested that I should learn something about evangelism. And I said, no, that's not me. I don't do that kind of thing. (laughs) And uh, Uh, God impressed on me um, after several years, unfortunately, uh, that it was. I was supposed to uh, be leading that in my congregation. And, and, you know, back in the the 19th century, in the Missouri Synod, uh, pastors just assumed that one of their responsibilities was not to just take care of a group of people that was already in existence, uh, a congregation that was already in existence, but that they would uh, also be responsible for starting the next church. Mm -hmm. 
had an interesting conversation with uh, a young pastor in central Missouri. Uh, he had gone to a church where his grandfather had been the pastor. And he was looking through some of the old papers uh, from his grandfather's time and came across a bulletin. And, uh, well, a number of bulletins, but in the bulletin, um, it, it said uh, 9 o'clock service in the morning, 1 p.m. mission service. And he said, you know what that mission service was? I said, no. He said, my grandfather and the other pastors of his day, uh, they just uh, assumed that in the afternoon they were going to go out someplace and bring together a group of people and start a Bible study, and, mm-hmm. and eventually that would become another church. So that was the mission church in the afternoon. Yeah, and we've been fortunate with the Mission Field USA initiative that we have had uh, congregations um, that they've made that sacrifice. They've, uh, you know, given the support needed. They've given the pastor the time uh, to be away from his own congregation to to serve elsewhere. And we've we've had a couple different examples of that where it was kind of a circuit that would take a rotation, um, getting a new mission started. Many times it is uh, cross cultural ministry that they're they're doing. Um, we we had one case where they kind of had extended that for a certain amount of time, and then said, you know, we kind of really are at that precipice where we need a full time worker, and we were fortunate enough that we could uh, have a national missionary that could go in to serve uh, in kind of an impoverished uh, cross cultural ministry. Mm-hmm. And and so it is. You're right. It's it is good to 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 think of our past history to recognize that this has always been part of our DNA, and now to see. Uh, congregations and even circuits that are are getting back to our roots of seeing the importance of of the mission service and making the commitment uh, to do that. So that's a very good point. And I think you you note too, though, um, that we know how to reach immigrants, and we've we've known how to reach people that have <laughs> migrated um, here to the United States in our our past. Um, can you talk about that a little bit more? Well, yeah. Um, when I was in St. Louis, I, I did some research and uh, discovered that between uh, 1820 and 1840, uh, the population of St. Louis grew by 70,000, and 40,000 of those 70,000 uh, were from Germany. And in the newspapers at the time, uh, they the newspapers were talking about um, German immigrants living in garages in back alleys all over St. Louis and were warning about uh, German crime and German political unrest and German poverty. And it's just been the, uh, the same thing with any new immigrant group that would come in, the fear uh, that people have. Uh, the church I belong to, Trinity, um, Historic Trinity downtown, uh, just a few years ago was uh, replaced uh, um, the uh, um, stained glass windows that face the street uh, because around World War II, uh, stones were thrown through the window and th- those windows, and they couldn't keep them, so they had cemented up, bricked up uh, that uh, that area. Um, so... There's always been that suspicion of immigrants, but you're right. Our uh, pastors would go down to the docks waiting for the ships to come in and offer job training and uh, English language uh, training and cultural um, training to the new immigrants that were coming. 
which is exactly what uh, is being done at Christian Friends uh, for New Americans mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in St. Louis. Yep. It's a great outreach. Uh, it's uh, using mercy, uh, as our good friend Carlos Hernandez would say, it would be to kind of lead <laughs> with mercy uh, to meet people you otherwise might not be able to meet, but to care for them. Uh, in mind, body, and soul, as we are called to do uh, with their human care needs. So, um, absolutely, and and it's definitely um, resulting in more and more people that are uh, coming in into the LCMS through the the work that they're doing. So, it is. It, you're right. It is a great model um, for how you can reach immigrants um, and then bring them into our life together. Um, so let's and talk. That, I'm sorry. And that's the. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And that's the ministry of, of Mission Nation. Okay. Uh, we we started out with uh, uh, the idea of uh, telling the stories of the missionaries so that uh, the the church could be sensitized uh, uh, to what God was doing. You know, in, in Acts seventeen twenty verse twenty six, uh, Saint Paul uh, says that God created every ethnic group and determined the exact times and places. Uh, where they would live. So we were saying, why did God bring so many immigrants here? And uh, it's the, our conclusion from the experiences we had was to strengthen uh, the church in America. So we felt that by telling the stories of these new immigrants, that churches could become sensitized. It's kind of a first step uh, to seeing the gifts that God was giving to the church in these new immigrants. And then uh, uh, we started uh, uh, selling the books to churches through a cardboard book display. Uh, The books sell online for $20, but if a a church uses the book display, then the books are $10. uh, And they can sell them for whatever they want. Uh, uh, Our church uh, sells them or asks for a donation of $20 uh, for the books. And um, last year... Our small LWML, eight or ten women, they sold over a thousand dollars in uh, in these books. Uh, our LWML did, and used the uh, the money to support hurricane relief in Florida. Uh, this year, we're using uh, the funds to help mitigate the um, medical bills of uh, indigent people in the uh, in our area. Uh, so our our goal is to sensitize uh, people to the benefits and blessings by by sharing these stories, both in the books and on our website. Uh, we've got video interviews of over 70 uh, missionaries to America on our website, uh, www.missionnationpublishing.org. Very simple. Right. And you can buy the books there and, and see the videos. And there are resources. There's a section for resources for those who want to reach uh, people uh, of different ethnic groups uh, as well. Yeah, so let's jump into that a little bit more. What is your, what is your goal? What's your, your vision for uh, the hope um, that you have for Mission Nation Publishing and what you're trying to do? Bottom line is uh, we would... Uh, like to help congregations to successfully reach an ethnic group different from their own. And we believe that by doing that, uh, that we will strengthen the church in America and God willing stem uh, the decline that's set in. 
Very good. And I think we've seen that um, kind of across our organizations throughout the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, this desire to have a more diverse population of church workers and missionaries. And so we have specific programs uh, to raise up uh, new new leaders in these areas. Um, how do you think Mission Nation Publishing can help uh, to process that as well? Well, I think, um, you know, by, uh, I think we need a, a, a really substantive uh, research project uh, that we're gearing up to do now, uh, where we look at the churches that uh, have successfully been able to reach an ethnic group different from their own and ask, you know, why did it work in this case? Let me give you one example. Uh, in Tampa, Florida, uh, Messiah Lutheran Church. They've had an Hispanic ministry there for 10 years now. Uh, there are four missionaries uh, in that, out, out of that congregation, uh, Hispanic missionaries, and uh, they have started four new missions. I interviewed the pastor of the congregation, and the interview is on the website, and I asked him, why did it work in this congregation? And his response was, at the very beginning, we decided we were going to be sacrificial. And if, uh, and, not, and not just with, not just with our money, because we're going to put some money into it, uh, but uh, also with our time and our talents. And if, uh, um, if the uh, Hispanic congregation needed a space or time to worship, uh, and it conflicted with the time that we had, we were going to move our time of worship. Now, that takes a really mature spiritual Christian faith uh, for a congregation to do that. Uh, that congregation has been fed on the gospel and the word of Christ. Uh, and so they were strong enough to be able to do something like that. That's the, the vision that, that we have, congregations being strong enough and able uh, to sacrifice in order to reach an ethnic group different than their own. Very good. Mark, did you have a point? <laughs> Comment? Question? Regarding anything? <laughs> or <laughs> We haven't said anything yet, I so I, I thought I saw you raise your hand. From the core of my eye, but it's you got to jump in here somewhere. Yeah, sure. Well, I, <laughs> well, I guess what I would say is, uh, uh, there, if when congregations in, get involved in ethnic ministry, I just think it's a very, very joyful thing mm. because you get to see how the gospel is spreading and how powerful it is into a new people. Yeah. Um, and you know, if for no other reason than the food, people should <laughs> get into ethnic ministry. Um, that is true. Where else are you going to have injera from the you know the Ethiopians? That um, is true. One of my favorite pictures of my family is uh, uh, we were uh, helping a Sudanese ministry in Denver, and my son is like three years old, and yep. so there is my my son. He's blonde and fair, yeah, and blue eyes, and he's sitting next to the missionary son who's Sudanese. <laughs> You know, and there's just a huge contrast, and my son's yeah. face is covered oh, yeah. with something green. Oh, boy. You know, and yeah. so I asked the missionary, you know, what is that? Yeah. You know, is it yeah. spinach? Is it, you know, what is it? He just, no, it's greens. We never knew what it was for sure, but, you know, they're, they're just such joy <laughs> that in, is in uh, getting to know those people and yep. hear their stories and how Christ has touched their life, you know, and that's, 
uh, for no other reason. Yeah, well, hey, amen. Those, I'm not yeah. I'm not complaining about the food. In yeah, my, in my position, <laughs> you know, I, I go eat somewhere and I'm sweating. You know, drops of sweat coming down my face. I'm, this is the real, authentic deal here. You know, stuff, I know. Yeah. I've been to melting pots with you know 11 <laughs> different nations and one one great big yeah. banquet. I mean, it is. Yeah, I'm not going to complain about the food part of it. It's, oh yeah, it's some pretty good, yeah, good it's stuff. Great. It's uh, great. And uh, <laughs> no, the gospel's the main thing. We don't all want joking, our listeners yeah. to get the wrong impression. You know, and but, I was you know. going to say, all joking aside, all joking aside, not not only like you said the the wonderful food, but the wonderful witness. And I think this is one of the things that you are going to find from mm. these examples of missionaries um, that Pastor Scudieri is talking about. I mean, some of the stories that he has been able to capture are just phenomenal. I mean, they're just so uplifting to see, like, real martyrdom. And by that, I mean a, a witness of people who are willing to literally lay down their lives for the gospel, gone through horrendous uh, persecution in the church, and yet they were unwavering in their confession of their faith. And, and, the food is wonderful, but but to hear these stories of witness, uh, to me, uh, some of these stories are just absolutely um, astounding, um, inspirational, um, give me pause when it comes to my own witness uh, as a Christian. So, so absolutely um, uh, have been really impressed with with capturing these these stories of, of Christian witness. You know, and this is probably in the category of true confessions for which I may need absolution. But um, <clears throat> I, it's I think ethnic uh, groups sometimes have the advantage of not coming from such a secular culture that they really have a a different spirituality. Mm. So um, when my mother was diagnosed with cancer, you know, I was I'm probably in my early forties at the time. Um, you know, sure, you know, we told our Anglo congregation about it and they prayed for us, but my priority was to really talk to the Hispanic congregation because I knew that they would really pray, mm. <laughs> and, you know, and because, uh, deep yeah, they, spirituality. yeah okay. it was just entirely different gotcha. um, because I know that they would, you know, they have a fervency that I, you know, that I include myself in that. I mean, I, you know, you grew up in, and you're steeped in the secular culture. Yeah. Um, but not so among the Hispanics. Now, there's negatives to that, too, because they might have um, fortune telling and even, oh, yeah. you know, some other things that aren't so good. Animistic stuff. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but definitely, yeah. I always remember that. I went to my brother Juan and said, I really need you to pray for my mom. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. And and Lord Brave. heard that prayer. And, yeah. uh, um, and she lived for many years and really recovered from that particular issue. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, Pastor uh, Scudieri, absolutely hats off to you for the way you have captured the amazing accounts of some amazing Christian witnesses that give us here in the U.S. pause in the face of our kind of mounting persecution, but to, to see someone literally willing um, to, to die for mm -hmm. the faith and for their confession, um, and the way that you've been able to capture those accounts, um, you know, not short of stunning, I have to say. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, maybe you've met Julie Das. I uh, have. <laughs> yeah, I have too. Yeah. Julie is a missionary to Muslim Sikhs and Hebrews, and she grew up in Pakistan as a, a Christian girl. Mm -hmm. 
And her book is called The Despicable Missionary Mm -hmm. because uh, the other children would call her and the other little Christian kids uh, despicable. And she she almost died Mm -hmm. uh, three times in persecutions in Pakistan. Mm -hmm. And the story is a story about forgiveness. Uh, As she grew into adulthood uh, and her faith matured, uh, she grew out of the hatred that she felt uh, for Muslims and and um, comes to Muslims with uh, with love, the love of Jesus, uh, to share Christ with them. And, and I think, as you all know, uh, our Board for Mission Services has been working with Julie and her husband, Jay, who is uh, a vicar, uh, to go over to Pakistan now and raise up uh, leaders in Pakistan, if you can believe that, mm. Uh, in order to uh, bring um, a law gospel emphasis uh, to the church in Pakistan. Very good. Excellent. Yeah, very good. And again, um, Mission Nation Publishing, that's that book display that we were talking about. I, I can't you know, stress that enough. Uh, the, the stories and the accounts that you will hear um, will, will definitely give you an idea of the bold confession of those who are coming to the United States uh, to be missionaries, to share the gospel here in the United States. Any any other last thoughts for us, uh, Dr. Scuderi, on the work that you're doing? Well, I think, uh, again, uh, I just want to reiterate that uh, I know our churches, because the gospel has been preached in those churches, are eager to share Christ uh, with all people. And it's we're going to have to really learn um, how to do this, uh, how to do this better. Um, And one way we can do that is to listen to the missionaries, because they've grown up on mission fields. They know what it's like uh, to be a minority, and they can teach us how to bring Christ uh, to a a culture uh, that is no longer Christian. Uh, So uh, the the gifts that God is giving to uh, to us through them are very important, and I pray that uh, our churches will recognize that and honor that and and thank God uh, for those missionaries who are coming here now. Very good. And can you give us that website again for people to find resources? It's uh, www. MissionNationPublishing.org. All right. And again, on a personal level, I have to thank Reverend Dr. Scudieri. He kind of gave me my own start here in the LCMS in the world of church planning and cross-cultural ministry. I would so, say the same, yes. actually. And yeah. My, my co-host, uh, Mark, also is indebted to you as well, Dr. Scudieri. And, and we do really appreciate your, your time just kind of as a, a final thought, the, uh, we mentioned earlier about Revelation 7 and all the nations and all the languages and all the tribes that have gathered around the throne. Um, there is, I don't think, any more opportunity than right here in the melting pot of the United States of America. Um, we, we have such great opportunities that God has set before us um, to see that with, with our own eyes, to see uh, all the different uh, folks that are represented that gather around the throne uh, to worship the Lamb. And, um, you know, as I had said earlier, our, our brother Yared and how he, he mentioned that he sees the sick mother, but, I mean, we as the church, 
um, we are always healthy. We are always thriving for as long as we have our true confession of faith, as long as we have the pure word and sacraments to deliver uh, to our neighbors. And and thanks be to God, even though we do face unprecedented challenges uh, before us uh, in the United States uh, of America right now, he also has given us just amazing opportunities. So I guess you could say it's the, how do you see the cup half full or half empty? Because there is no shortage of unchurched people here in the U.S. There is no shortage of uh, people that are strangers in our country um, who who need someone to show them the unconditional uh, love and mercy of God. So um, that's that's what it's been uh, from what I'm hearing in the past, whether it was a blueprint in the 90s or if it's the Mission Field USA uh, in the years to come. Um, we continue as a church uh, to work together, uh, working through our, our districts and our congregations and our lay people, and especially to uh, these missionaries who are coming to the U.S. Uh, with a wonderful witness in the face of persecution uh, as they too have uh, committed themselves uh, to be a, a witness of Christ. So thanks again, Mark, for helping My me pleasure. to co-host. And uh, again, uh, Dr. Scudieri, um, we are indebted to you here in this uh, little uh, sound booth, but uh, as a church body uh, for all of your uh, years that you have committed um, to looking at the United States of America as being a mission field. So thank you so much for continuing with the resources um, that you are producing and also uh, just for sharing your time with us today. Thank you. God bless you both. And I thank God for you and for the leadership that you're giving to the church. Amen. So let's get out there, Mission Field USA. Uh, the opportunity abounds. God bless. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mission Field USA podcast for church planting. Visit lcms.org slash church planting for other resources and information to share your ideas and to contact us. The Mission Field USA podcast is a production of the Office of National Mission of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod in partnership with KFUO Radio. The Lord be with you.